for a long time, I think everyone in the safety net, and now it's becoming more apparent to the entire country, we've known that the social determinants of health really affect people's health care and, um, and that it's really important to find ways to bring that into primary care so that those things can be addressed. You're listening to Health Pilots, where we interview people pursuing new solutions to healthcare in low-income communities. In spite of significant challenges, our guests are passionate and relentless in doing things in a new way. In each episode, you'll hear how they use techniques from design thinking, how they work with tech startups, and how they create a culture of innovation in their organization. Every interview offers practical advice and new ideas you can apply today. I'm your host, Chris Conley. Welcome to Health Pilots, and thank you for listening. Welcome, everyone. This is Chris Conley, your host for Health Pilots, and today I'm joined by Barbara Spangler and Danielle Oren from the Petaluma Health Center. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So on Health Pilots, we talk a lot about um, things that people are trying in the safety net to improve care, to reduce the cost of care, to improve the, the quality, increase access. And you guys are really leaders in this area. And I'm thrilled to be talking to you today. To start out, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what roles you play at Petaluma? So I'm Danielle Oren, and I am the Chief Medical Informatics Officer at Petaluma Health Center. Um, and um, I work uh, with such things such as uh, telemedicine, EHR, data analysis, and innovation projects. And I'm Barbara Spangler. I work with the Petaluma Health Center on innovation projects and on unified communications strategies. So the idea is to help bring technology to the organization, uh, both inside and outside. And a little bit about your backgrounds. How did you get here? This is Barb. Uh, I got here. uh, My background is in um, clinical research. I worked for many years for GE Healthcare in interventional cardiology research. And then uh, I also have an MBA from Babson College, and so I came to Petaluma because I believe that um, that there is a real need in our communities to uh, bring care, bring access to care to uh, as many people as we can get it. And it's it's very exciting to work with this population and to work with uh, a place like Petaluma that does such an incredible job. So I came here because I wanted to. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, and I'm a family doctor, and I I came here uh, after residency to uh, to practice family medicine. My background is in public health, and um, uh, when I when I came to Petaluma Health Center, um, was just really blown away by the commitment to the mission to take care of the underserved, and also the commit the commitment by everyone here to high quality care. What I noticed right away was that. We had almost no technology at all. We had no EHR. We had one computer in our back office that we all shared. We we couldn't each have our own individual emails. And this wasn't that long ago. It was maybe uh, 10 years ago. So um, kind of um, I, I have always been a big fan of technology and what it can really do to help all of us improve our lives. And I see just a a lot that it can do to help our patients as well. So have been working in, uh, in that capacity here for many years. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always um, important to realize how, how recently we didn't have all this technology. I think somebody said something about, you know, 
less than 10 years ago, there was no iPhone. And that's you think right. today how apps and everything are just transforming. So um, that's a nice segue into um, asking the next question about uh, why, are you guys, why do you guys see uh, a need for figuring out these solutions in healthcare? What's going on in healthcare and, and what is the opportunity you see? So, so with healthcare shifting away from procedure-based model to a quality-based model and with everyone in the country looking at outcomes and um, moving toward that triple aim that we all talk about, the improved quality uh, with Im uh, improved patient experience and decreased cost of care, all of this has a role in, in actually achieving it. And actually, we, we probably can't get there without really innovating. Mm -hmm. and, and I would add to that that um, technology is, is so prevalent in everyone's life outside the building that, um, that there needs to be a, a closer communication or a, a closer relationship between how people live their lives and then how we deliver healthcare to them. So we can't, we can't have our, our healthcare technology lagging Life 101 technology. Uh -huh. Which indeed, uh, that has happened, no? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, being uh, kind of technologists, both of you are being in, are in and around and implementing technology. What would you say are the two or three top uh, technologies you're seeing uh, that have a uh, big potential in healthcare? Um, I think we're seeing uh, a lot of telehealth. Mm -hmm. applications right now, um, which is which is great. And we're seeing the other one that really strikes me is a lot of patient-facing engagement type apps of, of all kinds. Hmm. And what do you mean by that? Patient-facing apps? So apps that patients use either completely on their own to manage their health or to get health advice or um, uh, patient uh, apps that help patients connect back to the uh, to their patient-centered health home or to some health coach or provider via via app or via you know phone texting technology nice so it's really the um, the trend of consumers having incredible technology in their pockets both from you know an information standpoint but then a communication standpoint so you talked both about uh, what they can do on their own solely and, and kind of in a self, uh, self-aware way and then self-coaching, if you will, but then connecting to, uh, their healthcare provider or others, uh, that might be on their, uh, health team, if you will. Right. 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 Yeah. And I think, I think if you look at, I think we're, we're still very early on in the stages of all of this technology and how it will work. And, and right now we're looking at sort of that quantified self. And so it's, We've developed the tools for collecting the information, and we, we, the next step is going to be to actually use the information in, in a sort of clinically relevant way. So we have to bring those, we have to converge those things. So I think uh, patients as consumers are increasingly more interested in understanding themselves. Uh, and when we talk about social determinants of health, that's kind of part of it. And then we need to bridge that into what's clinically relevant, and then how do we make sure that it, that uh, it's the clinically relevant components that get communicated to the care providers. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what we're doing is, I think, bringing patients into a much higher level of participation in their, um, 
in their in their awareness of their conditions and then communicating that to their providers. And then I think also learning what to do with all of this new data, data. both yeah both for individuals and, uh, you know, looking at it from a public health perspective. What, what should we be doing for populations and communities with all of this data? Uh-huh. Awesome. So we'll get into some of that. That's uh, incredibly inspiring. Uh, with that, um, can you uh, share a quick hit list? We won't have time to talk about all of them, unfortunately, but um, I know you're working on an incredibly large number of things, uh, even being a uh, I wouldn't call you a relatively small organization, but um, you know you you serve the safety net. There aren't resources flying around like crazy, and yet you're pursuing a lot. Can you give us an overview of the things you're you're looking at and and implementing? Sure. Uh, so we're looking at uh, first of all, like, as Barb kind of alluded to, we're looking at our communication system. So. Um, specifically around patients communicating with them as they wish to be communicated with. And sometimes that may mean, uh, you know, via technology, including texting and patient portals. Uh, we're, we're looking at um, implementing many models of telehealth, um, both kind of traditional for, for specialty care, but also looking at how can we use telehealth to, to connect people to their primary care team. Um, we're um, very interested in um, helping patients to engage in their own health. So looking at tools to help patients uh, get coaching and um, get engaged in things like decreasing their cardiovascular risk or completing an advanced directive um, online. We're looking at, uh, at things that help patients kind of navigate the healthcare system more efficiently. So um, trying to help people uh, get, get the kind of signature kind of work done more quickly um, for them so that we can have what we need when they get to their visits. And um, also um, looking at different ways of getting information from patient rather than um, asking or filling out forms, looking at moving toward using technology to help gather some of that information and then be able to process it meaningfully and efficiently to some kind of result for that person. Awesome. Ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. I love the, you know, I was going to mention it when you first uh, talked about it, but telehealth, telemedical visits. Um, you know, when I was in college, uh, we were imagining the future one day when you could <laughs> visit your doctor from afar, right? And it yeah. it, re it remained fantasy for a long time. And I feel like we're really, uh, now we've realized, oh my gosh, the, these devices we have in our hands make it possible to do that. And so now it's coming to fruition. Of course, there's plenty of, you know, what really is the challenge of those is not the technology anymore. It's the it's the, the workflows and procedures and privacy and all the social things around it that um, change how, what we expect or um, how we expect it behave with care. And how, how to fit all of that into the model of care that we currently have is really uh, challenging with rules and billing. Um, it's it's fitting, fitting these new kinds of interactions into that model is is challenging as well. Right. So you could invent a new way of visiting with patients, but if there's not a code you can charge it against, you won't get paid for doing it. Right. Yeah. What a, um, yeah. What a key challenge. And as the world, uh, increases its technology access, right. That's the, that's one of the main challenges. Awesome. So, 
Let's look at um, one of the things that you're excited about um, and just starting to implement. And tell us a little uh, story about um, uh, that solution, how you got kind of got started or why you thought it might be interesting, why it's important, um, and where you're at in the process. Sure. So um, uh, the, the uh, project that I'm going to talk about is one that we have some funding for through the Center for Care Innovations, through the Catalyst, uh, not through the Catalyst, it's through the uh, Cultivate uh, fund and what uh, what led us to this is we for a long time I think everyone in the safety net and now it's becoming more apparent to the entire country we've known that the social determinants of health really affect people's health care and um, and that it's really important to find ways to bring that into primary care so that those things can be addressed so we're really excited to start this project where we are um, creating a uh, standard set of data around social determinants of health, and we're we're going to ask patients these questions uh, not in their office visits, but rather using technology. So either patients can get on uh, their computers at home ahead of their visit and answer questions, or uh, when they come to the waiting room, they can step up to an iPad or tablet kiosk answer these questions which would be available to their primary care team ahead of their visit so that they could receive um, these enabling services like patient navigation and uh, case management that they really need. Interesting. Can you um, just pause there for a second and for our listeners who aren't familiar with the term yet, um, tell us a little bit about the idea of social determinants of health and why that's become an important dimension of healthcare and people are working on it. What is it? Well, the social determinants of health is, um, it's, it's a term that describes sort of the life conditions that the, that the patient or the individual is facing. So uh, I think one of the things that has frustrated the clinical community for a long time is having, having clinical tools um, that are very effective. For example, if, um, if, you, if someone has asthma, we can treat the patient for that asthma condition. But if we, mm. if we do those treatments and then send the patient home to uh, a living situation where there is either no heat or um, heat that is infrequent or they're living in, a, in, a, in an environment where there's mold or, or dust or you know, there's just yep. the conditions, the life conditions that the patient is dealing with on a 24-hour day basis. Um, these are the social determinants of health. So you have, you know, we have cl- clinical capacity to cure things or to treat things, but if if that runs up against the challenges of a living situation that the patient's dealing with that, that isn't being modified or changed, it sort of limits the clinical capacity. Nice. So, and that's that's in you know living conditions. Food insecurity is is enormous um, yep. for folks. Education, housing insecurity, um, just health literacy. Did they really understand, or did we communicate? Not did they understand, but did we communicate effectively? Mm-hmm. What's their eating like? What's their nicotine use, alcohol use, substance issues, violence with intimate partners? Um, all of those things really, really impact the patient's health care. Awesome. That's a 
That's the best description I've heard yet. <laughs> of you know, it just makes it highly relevant. You're looking at the whole person's life context, which um, has a huge impact on whether you're able to care for them or not. Oh gosh, yeah. Did did this patient have to be on a bus for an hour and twenty minutes to get here for a fifteen minute appointment? Right. Right. Yeah, awesome. all of that. Okay, yeah. so uh, back to Danielle's description of this solution. You're, so um, what's the need then, or what are you trying to do around social determinants of health with this solution? What is the uh, target so, solution? Yeah, We're trying to do two things. So the first thing we're trying to do is to better serve the, the people, the patients, the individuals that are coming here for care. So by asking them these questions, we have an opportunity to actually um, help them with the root problem or, you know, work at the root cause rather than um, we may decide that actually we need to, rather than giving them another medication for their asthma, what we really need to do is um, give them some assistance so that their housing can change. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, um, much more powerful and long lasting and a, a better solution. So um, by collecting this information at the front and having it before the visit, what we're trying to do is line up services that match with each person's needs um, ahead of time. So if we're identifying people who, um, who, for example, have food insecurity, they're not able to get healthy food, we have people in our organization who can um, help them get the, uh, you know, healthy food resources in our community. And so um, having that person at the ready when, the, when we know this person is coming is, is really ideal and really helpful. Um, and we all know that um, what people are eating plays such a huge role in their health. Um, awesome. yep. And then on the other side of it is um, looking at it from a larger perspective, from a more public health or population health kind of kind of view, which is having all of this information about um, what's going on with the pot with the people that we're serving here in Petaluma um, allows us to be really pointed about the services that we decide to offer or how many patient navigators do we need? Do some of them need to be in the community? And if so, where and what services should they be focusing on providing to, to people here? So um, I think it will also really help our health center serve the community at large. Nice. Um, can you uh, take us right to the details of the solution itself? You mentioned um, either filling out the information at home or filling it out on a tablet uh, in the waiting room, for example. What What is the name of the solution uh, specifically? And then how do you how are you integrating it, or what's the nature of implementing that, actually implementing it in your organization? So we're using a number, a number of tools, well, probably mostly two things um, okay. that, are, that are important here. Um, one is we're, we're actually leveraging our electronic health record, which is um, something we've focused a lot of attention on here. We have an electronic health record, we have eClinical Works, and um, we have the ability using our EHR to design surveys um, that we can push out uh, online to our patient portal. And the patients get an email notification, they sign into their account, they fill out the survey, and we can then import that right into the chart. Um, for the patients in the waiting room, um, we 
those same surveys were able to attach them to particular visit types. So um, if they're coming in for a well visit type, we might ask this set of questions. And if they're coming in for a cough, we might ask a different set of questions. Um, and, um, and then they answer those questions um, at, at the front also interfacing with a with an iPad version, it, it looks like um, like kind of like a survey, any survey tool would. They sign in, um, it checks them into their appointment, and then it goes ahead and proceeds to ask them the questions that we have lined up, and we can go ahead and, and import that data into their chart in a structured way. On the other side of this, um, for looking at the data analysis, we are using tableau to better uh, you know create better visuals that really um help everyone in our organization to better understand uh the data around around social determinants in our population okay great and how is the implementation implementation going what kind of time frame have you set for yourself um and where are you at in the overall process so, uh, so far, we, we've been piloting the various pieces of it. Um, and so where we are now is we've um, designed uh, three surveys. Uh, we have a well visit survey, um, which is for all adult well visits. We have a new patient survey. Um, and then we have a general office visit survey. And we have tested these using, we haven't put into place the actual stands for the kiosk, but rather using free, um, free floating iPads uh-huh. um, yep. in the waiting room. And we had a person there to both observe, answer questions and, um, take down any feedback or any comments about the experience from patients on doing that. So we've done four of those, you know, uh, one day sessions where we've tested those, surveys and we've refined them a little bit from there. And then um, uh, we have pushed all of our, all of those surveys to the patient portal and we're, uh, we haven't gotten too many back yet. So we're waiting till we have a good number back before we start asking the patients what that was like to take those surveys uh, via the patient portal. Mm -hmm. And as far as um, getting the, the data and the data analysis piece, we've only, uh, we've, we've, um, done some trials with Tableau and are, are going to be implementing it over the next couple of weeks. And then we'll be able to pull some of this data, um, and mapping into that. Awesome. So that's where we are. Great. I mean, I think it's important for everybody listening to realize that implementations of these new solutions often feel like this are often pulled together as, you know, you keep mentioning we're, we're implementing different parts of it right now and eventually we'll tie them together. But in implementing parts, you're actually figuring out uh, how to do them well, how, what the patient experience is like. That you would have a couple of tests where people are in the waiting room with the patients filling it out and empathetically listening like, what was that like? And hearing that, oh, I always hate filling out surveys, but maybe this one was okay and I can see the use of it or whatever you hear back. It's really important as you implement these versus having a very big top-down implementation that gets rolled out and implemented over six months and then the feedback starts coming in. So right. and it's the same feedback. It's the same feedback. We don't like it. And yeah, then we have exactly. to rework on large scale. It's much easier to yeah. rework right now. Yeah. 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 That's uh, totally cool. Okay. Um, when do you think you'll be tying the pieces together and kind of having a, a first implementation that, that's up and running? 
I think probably by October, end October, beginning November, nice. we'll be able to have everything tied together at this point. Um, it, we've done a, a lot of um, a lot of the feedback um, around um, that. You know, there's some feedback about from patients about working with the technology, about working with iPads, and you know what that's like for them, whether mm-hmm. or not they like it. Some people feel like they you know have a hard time with the touch screens, but then there's also the I. The, the both the length of the surveys mm-hmm. that we're asking people and the content when you're when you're um, experiencing it in line um, that yeah. we've been working with. So um, you know we're right now we have the free floating iPads, but we we plan to put those kiosks in in the next week or two, and I think we'll get different feedback because. When you're sitting down in a chair, answering a survey is a little bit different than when other people are waiting behind you and you're trying to answer a question about your social connectedness. Um, So um, we'll we'll have one more at least um, kind of go through at that point. Awesome. When we get the lines in. Awesome. Um, It's really important that we hear those, you know, those actual stories and we get we feel like we're in that waiting room. That's uh, where you're testing to understand how those things are how those things are implemented. Um, and we will be checking back uh, with you on a number of these implementations, this one in particular, because social determinants of health are such a, a big part of how we're trying to improve care now. So in the last uh, five to 10 minutes of the interview, I want to have you guys step back a little bit um, and reflect on your own uh, journey into you know, pursuing new solutions, trying to innovate, uh, being open to opportunity and change. What has been some of the most helpful either um, resources or people um, that you that have been uh, useful to you? Sure. Um, I think that uh, first uh, and foremost, we've gotten a lot of support and training um, and um, just a lot of experience working with CCI. Um, and we've been doing that for, for some time um, through many rounds of, of innovation projects and innovation funding um, and have really taken advantage of all of the training uh, and um, networking available to us through CCI, which I think that's been a, a really huge um, help. I think also um, the community health center uh, world in, in our area is pretty close-knit, and we do have the opportunity to interact with other community health centers that are doing similar work, which has also been very, very helpful. Um, so uh, up here in, in the North Bay area, we have West County Community Health Center and um, Santa Rosa Community Health Center and, and um, uh Olay Health and Napa. And so mm-hmm. there's um, there's been a lot of others to learn from, both in our local area and then again at, at some of the uh, Safety Net Innovation Network meetings, this kind of thing. And that, that's been really helpful to us as well. And I think, I also think the, the way the, the CCI uh, work is structured with sort of biweekly um, touch base sessions, I think it's really helpful for everyone working in this type of work to kind of listen to what everybody else is dealing with as well. So it's, it's really, a, I think a strong, um, a strong way to way of working mm-hmm. that I think has been really helpful. That's really good to hear. So, um, people in the audience, no matter where you are in the country thinking about 
um, the resources you might have available to you uh, from foundations or supporters who are trying to support uh, changes in health care, improvements to care, and then also creating a community around your work, um, reaching out to others, inviting them uh, to hear what you're doing, sharing openly what you're, what you're trying, your struggles, uh, and then looking for others who are um, shared, you know, with shared values and shared purpose of, of trying these new solutions. That awesome, awesome feedback. Okay, last up, what advice do you have for others? Um, who are just getting started or who have been wanting to make some change happen but haven't been able to get the traction? Um, I, I think probably getting some organizational traction is the first. So I think we have you have to have buy-in. Oh, I lost you. Um, uh, the, Danielle, I lost yeah. you. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Can you just start? That. Yeah, that's okay. Just um, start over. Yeah, start over. So I, I think it's really important to have larger organizational buy-in uh, on doing this kind of work, uh, especially when we're expecting to to fail and to try all different kinds of things. Um, it's it's important that um, that the administration, the mm -hmm. potentially the board, the strategic plan reflects. Uh, commitment to to this kind of work and I think that's probably um, it, it's hard to go anywhere without that um, and uh, after that I think um, and mm -hmm. definitely an openness uh, to, to trying new things and hearing from from everyone in the organization including uh, the the patients is, mm -hmm. is probably the second. Yeah, I think I think it needs to it needs to fit in with the strategy of what the organization is doing. So you want to innovate, but you want to innovate um, innovate as part of the fabric, not as a not as an ancillary or sort of an adjunct effort that runs off on the side. It really really need, we really need to be working on things that absolutely matter to the organization, so that uh, so that everybody in the organization can see that yeah you know what this technology this technology that I'm so familiar with and so many other parts of my life could in fact be very useful to what we're trying to do trying to do here and then you know then you just surround yourself with a bunch of very enthusiastic people you like to think with and people you like mm -hmm. to do with and then just go for it mm -hmm. yeah i th i love the term enthusiasm um in terms of what it takes to do this uh, yes. There's so many challenges to doing anything new in any organization, whether it's healthcare or not. Uh, doing new things is just challenging because the world isn't set up for the new. It's set up for how we're currently doing things. Um, so that enthusiasm is really important. It doesn't mean you're naive about the challenges you're going to have, but it, but it is. You get together with people that are interested in doing stuff and, and uh, pursue it. You know, I was just going to say, it's just like you're working with the people you – you want to work with and the people that you like to work with and you're doing, I mean, at the, at the end of the day is the, the patient centered medical home I and mean, the patients in the middle, you're doing, you're doing it for the patients and everybody can totally identify with that. Awesome. Danielle and Barbara, thank you for joining us today. I feel like you shared so much of what you're doing, your passion for the work, specific insights about doing it. Thanks for taking time out Thanks. of your busy thank day. Thank you. Have fun, fun everybody. Awesome. We'll be summarizing all these insights you shared with us today and posting the relevant links uh, and how you can reach out to Danielle and Barbara in the show notes. Um, if you're not listening to this on our website, please visit theinnovationhubs.org to find show notes and all our other episodes. See you later, everybody. You've been listening to Health Pilots, 
a podcast that brings you ideas, inspiration, and advice to pilot new solutions for care in the safety net. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We hope you take what you learn from the show and try it on your own. For more great ideas and inspiration, visit our website, www.theinnovationhubs.org. While there, subscribe with your email to receive our latest content as soon as it's released. Our show is made possible by the California Healthcare Foundation. Visit them at www.chcf.org. Health Pilots is a production of the Center for Care Innovations. Learn about all their great work to foster innovation in the safety net at www.careinnovations.org. We'll see you on the next episode of Health Pilots. <laughs>